What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, a sports ethos presentation. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. But we have a very special guest today. I don't want to waste time with preambles. We're bringing on a friend of the show, the two-starty Marty Party himself, Marty Tallman. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, brother. I'm doing great. It's good to be talking uh, baseball on this Sunday. It's it's championship time, or at least playoff time in most of your fantasy baseball leagues. Um, so yeah, this is this is go time. This is the this is the best time of the year. This is this is a hell of a lot of fun. I play a lot of head to head leagues. We're recording this on Sunday, so right before we we hit the record, I'm just taking a look at my lineups, and it's the kind of year, type of year where you're thinking, do I need to start you, Darvish, today? Do I need to start Framber Valdez today? Which are seemingly kind of stupid questions most of the time, but Sunday head to head. It's you make some crazy decisions who you're sitting, who you're getting in the lineups there. I know uh, I'm currently in semifinals in a couple of my leagues, specifically my main home league. And it's it's very stressful. I don't think the Roto people have to deal with so much stress uh, at this time of year a little bit. But I think head to head is where you get a lot of the headaches going right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're like most of my Roto leagues, it's just it's standard, right? We're going to play our guys and see where the chips fall head to head. Yeah, you're sweating it. You know, do you play Valdez? And, you know, you worry about. Not he's probably not going to blow up, but you know maybe he could. You never know. Maybe today will be the one day he has a bad game. It's going to you know ruin your ratio stats. Um, but that's that's the beauty of it. Luckily for me this year in my head to head leagues, I got a lot of bye weeks. So this is my bye week blues week where I've already used my five ad drops trying to set up next uh, next week, and then some of my two star pitchers aren't even being two star pitchers. And you know we were kind of talking about that offline. But uh, yeah, this is the time where you got to be focused. And I always ask myself, will I be upset if I did not, if, if a player does really, really bad, like, can I live with that? And if the answer is no, then I'm not going to play. Him. Yeah, That's kind of how I, how I go by it. Sometimes it's really hard. It's really case by case, but there's some times where I think I'd rather lose because I started one of my best guys than lose because I benched him. Like if I put Darvish on the bench today, which I don't think I'm going to do. But if I do that and he throws like seven shutout innings, 11 strikeouts, and I end up losing because of that, then like I would almost rather have him go out there and blow it for me in the starting lineup just because, yeah. you know, at least you know I put him out there. I didn't sit him. I don't know. There's some weird mentality there. Obviously, different. It's so individualized. Every well, that's how I was going to ask you, Joe. Let me ask you just really quick for the listeners. Tom, put that into context. Why would you not want to play him? Is that because you're worried about your ratio stats? You want to keep them down, but you still maybe need wins. You still need your counting stats. So I'm currently up six to two right now, and my okay. pitching stats are pretty good. Uh, I'm at two thirty five ERA. Uh, my opponent is at two eighty nine. So if how there's many like pitched, are you in? I have fifty seven. He has seventy one. So if I have okay, like he's not budging then okay if Darvish no. goes out there and gives up like five runs or something it's and that's the thing I have Darvish and Valdez like it's just you kind of have to weigh the pros and the cons I think I don't think I'm going to start both of them because if they both go out there and shit the bed then I'm just you know that 235 is not going to be uh, under 289 by the end of it and the other thing is he has Manoa going today so I'm assuming that 289 Ooh. is going to go down a little bit there's so many hard yeah. decisions i'm down by one win like my hitting stats are pretty good because i've had jordan alvarez this week christian walker hey, just three run three run uh, home run day that's not bad oh my god i'm sitting there the other night getting notification after notification thinking yahoo's bugging like there's no <laughs> way alvarez has just hit three home runs in 25 minutes here but alvarez mm-hmm. christian walker and there was another guy that i matt chapman too i just had a crazy yeah week. yep but that's the thing man head to head i love the head to head cuz it's that kind of playoff feeling almost every week of the regular season you know you get yeah. the sunday even if it's week 1 you get the sunday you might be making sit start decisions that impact you and probably won't have a huge impact down the line but i mean i saw with my blue jays last year in real life missed the playoffs by one game every single, happen. every single loss really matters yeah and we're starting to see that a little bit with the white Sox. i see white Sox twitter kind of our friend mike carter talking about you know if they won one or two more games earlier in the season it might have been a lot different here so Fantasy context, real baseball context. I feel like you just kind of always need to have have your head screwed on in terms of those head-to-head sit-start decisions throughout the whole season. Whereas Roto, it's just like, you know, it's Corbin Burns. He's starting 33 times throughout the season. And head-to-head, he might only get 28, 29 of them, depending on where those fall during the week. Obviously, it sounds crazy to say you're going to sit Corbin Burns. But if it's a Sunday against the Dodgers and you're already set for ERA, then probably don't need it. But yeah, yeah, and building building off of that, and I think head the head leagues get a lot of uh, get a lot of crap sometimes, you know, from the uh, the old the old guard, you know, Roto, and they'll say, well, there's, it just comes down to so much luck, especially in the playoffs. 
And what I like to liken it to is that when, you know, this thing called real baseball, let's say you, you know, the Dodgers, right? They finish first in their division every single year and they only have one championship. That's because the playoffs are crazy. Anything can happen. I had a great year all year in fantasy baseball. Maybe, you know, week 26, I have one bad week and I'm out. And that's how it is in real life. And I think that's, I think that's the fun part of having it in fantasy. So I love my head, the head leagues. Yeah, I think it should reflect the real version of the sport as much as possible, which is where I don't know how much fantasy football you play, but I've kind of had some trouble like in the last couple of years getting into it, thinking like the quarterbacks, the best players go like in the fourth round, fifth round, like pass. It's just like you figure the best players, like your Patrick Mahomes and whoever should be going first, second, third overall. It should reflect the actual product, but it's kind of there's a disconnect there between the fantasy and the actual sport. So I feel like head to head leagues, especially in baseball, do their best in trying to correct that. You could win every single week of the regular season and then lose 10 to nothing in the first week of the playoffs. And that's just how it goes. We saw it last year with Giants and the Dodgers last year. They both won like 110 games. They both had a team that was worthy of probably winning and then neither of them won. So it's just how it works. Just how it works there. We today are going to be talking not so much about head to head, but I mean, the stuff we're going to be talking about will be pertinent towards head to head roto points. We're going to be looking at some two star pitchers, some matchups, really just a week. What week is it now? 24? 20, I think yeah, it's right now it's 24. Now, right? Tomorrow will be the start of the 25th. 25th week. So we're just going to kind of go through the, the week of the September 19th, I guess it'll be through the 26th, which for a lot of you will be your fantasy championships. We're going to look at some matchups some teams that play more games than others. And of course, Marty is the two-start pitching guru over at Fantrack. So we're going to go through his article and we're going to see which guys you would recommend picking up. Maybe we could start there because that's something that you just were working on uh, last yeah. night and this morning. Yep. Who are, who are the guys? I mean, obviously, if we're talking about your very obvious ones, I don't think you need to spend so much time talking about them. And something on the show, actually, like I will go into your article here and there on Mondays and just go through these names. But and this week, you got your Rodon and Kershaw and Burns and Dylan Cease. Those ones, not, no so, much, not so much hard-hitting analysis I can give you on why you need to start Max Scherzer this week. But when you start <laughs> to get into these deeper names, uh, who is the first one that kind of piques your interest, maybe in the should-start category? Yeah, so let's start there. So um, Nick Lodolo, uh, he's going to be the first guy that stands out. You and I have talked uh, off-air about him. Um, he's been absolutely incredible, whether you're in the Hunter Green camp or the Lodolo camp for Cincinnati. Both, both are great young arms. Uh, Lodolo has a 3.64 X ERA on the year. He goes against Boston um, this this week, and then also Milwaukee. Both starts are going to be both starts are at home, which is obviously a, you know a little risky. You know the Great American Small Park that it is, but um, Boston has a 111 WRC plus, and then Milwaukee has an 88. So in Boston, I think a lot of their success, and this is this is coming with WRC plus. It's, it's obviously best to look at it the last month, who was the best, um, you know, how they have been trending. And overall, Boston, the last few months haven't been as nearly as good as they were to begin the season. And then Milwaukee's kind of fallen off. If they didn't have all of those aces, I don't know where they would be with that team. So um, I really like uh, Nicola Dolo for the, uh, for the two-star week. And then um, going down the list, Sonny Gray at Cleveland versus the Angels. Two good matchups there. Tyler Anderson, he's been good all year, and it has an XERA of 3.16. So he, his first start is really good versus Arizona. Second start versus St. Louis. St. Louis is the best team against lefties in all of baseball with a 132 WRC+. So if you're in a daily league, maybe you want to sit him on that day, you know, unless you're, unless you're feeling yourself. Or the Cardinals, and this is happening across baseball, a lot of, a lot of teams that have it, you know, either they, they've locked in their position or they're close to it, they may sit a few of their starters. So pay attention to the lineups each day. You might see, maybe they sit or uh, Arenado, maybe they sit Goldschmidt, you know, rest the vets for the uh, upcoming playoffs. Um, but I, I don't see that happening. Those guys are both iron men. They almost play every single game, but just another factor, uh, the closer we get to the end of the season, we're going to see a lot of names that we've never seen before, as far as pitcher call-ups. And we're going to see a lot of resting of the veterans. So something to keep in mind, um, but with Tyler Anderson, he's been good all year. So I'm not really too worried about it. I feel comfortable um, putting them in there. And lastly, on the article, Luis Severino, it's, it's between, and this changes every day with the two-star pitchers. We don't know exactly what the, um, what Boone's going to do. He may start Nestor Cortez uh, for the first game of the, uh, of the week. And then it would be, um, uh, it would be then play Pittsburgh and then Boston, or it's going to be Severino coming off the IL. We don't, I'm not sure if they're going to have him on a, you know, a, a pitching limit. So that's something else to keep a, keep an eye on. But let's say Severino does play. I like first Pittsburgh, great matchup, second worst hitting team in baseball against righties, and then Boston middling, um, you know, with the 99 WRC plus. 
So, um, yeah, those are the, the should starts there. Do you have my article uh, in front of you? I, don't know I if do. You do. I do have it in front of me here. I'm just taking a look. Yeah. In terms of this section, I think the only other one that is in terms of guys who are not so, so rostered. I mean, Edward Cabrera also kind yeah. of piques my interest. He's only 59% rostered in Yahoo leagues, which is, I don't know. Yahoo leagues are crazy, man. Like Gunnar Henderson's roster percentage has gone down like four or 5% this week. I, 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 I don't understand. There's no words I could possibly use to understand it. But Edward Cabrera, if you can still get your hands on him, uh, he's yep. got Chicago and Washington. That's a pretty nice yep. little uh, duo. Of and that'll be the Cubs. There. Yeah, yep. sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. That's the Cubs and then yep. Washington later in the week. And like you said, this can be very, very frustrating. And I'm sure that you've every single week had a couple of these that have not turned out to be two starts. The Sunday start gets pushed back to Monday. Every time. It's, Nothing you can do about it. It's so <laughs> frustrating. So you kind of, I mean, for me, the priority a lot of the time in looking at these is looking specifically to that first start because that one's more set in stone when you see, yep. you know, a Monday or Tuesday start. If it gets pushed back to Wednesday, okay, he's still starting against that first team most likely. And that's where the second one would get a little bit muddied up. But it's just, I, I tried to do this a little bit earlier in the season. My articles would be, they've kind of bounced around topic wise. And earlier in the year, I'd try and include like one or two, two start guys that are low rostered. And then it's just like, there was one week I wrote about three guys and literally none of them ended up having two starts. So it's, yep. it's, it's very frustrating. But in terms of these guys that you mentioned, all of them, I think Sonny Gray is probably going to be rostered already. Tyler Anderson as well. But Nicola Dolo is another guy who's like 50% rostered. And if you guys, I know some people are starting to kind of zone out a little bit for baseball, but if you're listening to a baseball podcast this time of year, odds you're, are you're, still, in, man. you're still, you're, you're still focused. You've seen mm-hmm. what Nicola has done these last three times out 11, 11 and nine strikeouts. Granted, the opponents were not the greatest quality of opponents, Colorado, Milwaukee and Pittsburgh. But this week, it kind of continues with Boston and Milwaukee. We're not looking at top tier opponents. So I think that those guys would all be really great additions in terms of Tyler Anderson. I just, He's just done it consistently. It's like, I, I think that you should sit him most likely there. But if you went out there and threw seven shutout innings, I wouldn't really be surprised by it. It's been one of those seasons for him. I don't know if this is like the Dodger effect, if this is just from being in Los Angeles and, you know, being around guys like Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Gonsolin and Dustin May uh, for varying portions of the season. Some of those guys have been hurt, but very surprising year to say the least yeah. from Tyler Anderson. I, I know similar, similarly to what Martin Perez has done, Miles Michaelis. Uh, although I think Anderson's probably the best of them. I think he'll probably end up getting some Cy Young votes, actually, just thinking about it. Maybe some down ballot Cy Young votes in the National League. I think that's definitely possible. And heading back to Edward Cabrera. So I'm loving everything I'm seeing from the 24 year old. And I think it's just another testament of how well the Miami Marlins can develop young pitching. You know, they keep doing it in and out. But the one thing, the one thing that scares me, a 12.3 walk percentage, which is almost the highest in baseball. It's in the sixth percentile, uh, according to um, uh, his stat cast data. And a 4.10 XERA, which is drastically higher than his 2.70 ERA. So there is a blow-up coming. Now, even with all of that said, I think you definitely need to start him. Like you said, versus the Cubs, versus the Nationals, two really good matchups. His strikeouts are going to be there. He does a really good job limiting hard contact um, and – I don't know if you've noticed over the last month, home runs have gone through the roof, especially compared to what it was earlier in the season. You could do the conspiracy theory of maybe, you know, maybe it's because they're trying to boost up Pujols' home runs, MLB's changing the balls to get judged to get over the 60 mark. I don't know what it is, but just tracking home runs, they have gone up a lot. So Cabrera does scare me a little bit, but when you go, even at the end of the day, a 4.10 XERA is not that bad. First, the Cubs versus the Nationals, I'd say fire them up. Yeah, I, Edward Cabrera for me. I don't. I don't know. Do you play MLB the Show? Are you a, a the Show guy at all? Yeah, yeah. Last year there was that card. I'm not a huge the Show guy, but there was like a, a prospects Edward Cabrera card that was like one of the best in the game, and that was kind of the first time I really came on the radar for me. And he's just another example, like you said, the way that the Marlins develop pitching. Obviously, Trevor Rogers has been a little bit up and down after what we saw last year, but Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, they have a very, very. There's another young yep. guy that I'm missing somewhere. Oh. Maybe Sixto Sanchez is what I'm thinking yeah, about. He was I don't good. Even, I mean, I don't Zach Gallon before they traded him. You know, they um, yeah, they've done a really, really good job. Didn't they trade Gallon and Alcantara in the same trade? Was that? I might, I might be getting my facts mixed up there, but I think that that was like, maybe it was two separate trades. But I think 
Um, what, what is the, I can't remember exactly what I know what you're talking now. about. Cause I saw a tweet about that, like how they gave away all these players for like Marcelo Zuna or something like that. And it was just like <laughs> something crazy like that. That was the Cardinals. Yeah. The Cardinals traded Sandy Alcantara and Zach Allen for Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. That's, that, what it that, was. That, that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. That's a, that's a bummer. Can you imagine the, the Cardinals uh, pitching staff though right now? If they had, the, or the Cardinals team as a whole that's already so elite with the, the head Gallon and Alcantara, that's yeah. hilarious. Zach Gallon, man, he's somebody that I invested like pretty heavily in in the preseason. He was pretty discounted because last year was yeah was very discounted. Every yeah. every competitive team I have has Zach Gallon and Francisco Lindor on a lot of them too. But that's that's a whole other subject there. The Marlins, just to get back to them for a second though, like. I think if they had not traded anybody these last five, seven years and their team consisted of, you know, Stanton and Yelich and the rest of them, I think they would be maybe not an elite team, but they'd definitely be a pretty strong team in the National League. Tough division, but they made a lot of really questionable moves these last uh, couple of seasons. It's just what the Marlins do. They have two world championships since I've been alive and I'm a Tigers fan. We have zero. So they obviously know what they're doing at the end of the day. But I mean, they traded away, even going all the way back to Miguel Cabrera. You know, they they have no that that whole organization is just to stay afloat, just to make money. It's down to the bottom line. They really do not care about their fans. They don't care about winning. They do win because of maybe they're so close to Cuba. They've always been really, um, you know, they've been able to get as much as they can from the uh, from from the players outside of the United States. Um, But, yeah, it's just it's a vehicle for investment down there, not necessarily to win. For what I remember, I was really young, but between their 97 and 03 championships, they tried to tear it down. They tried to rebuild. Yeah, trade after 98, they, they got rid of everybody. And, and, then, and they won another one by accident, essentially, uh, in 2000. Yeah. I think it was 2003. Yeah, 98 and 03. Yep. It's, it's crazy, man. My, my Blue Jays can't buy a World Series in my lifetime anyway. But I do want to get back to the two-start article here and talk about maybe if there's anybody who is a little bit more risky this week. I know there's one name we mentioned off the air, but anybody that you would be trying to add or start maybe where it would be a little bit more questionable, perhaps. Yeah, well, we'll start with uh, Mr. Wade Miley. So, and I even put this in the article and I'll, I'll start, I'll read you my first sentence. Usually I would never recommend Wade Miley, especially during playoff season. And that, that hangs true. That's, that will always be true, but we have to look at his matchups this week. He goes against the, he's at Miami. So he's at the Marlins who have a 68 WRC plus do not adjust your volume. 68 is actually what their WRC plus is versus lefties. It's the worst in baseball by far. The second worst is his next opponent, Pittsburgh pirates, only 81. And they're in, it's at Pittsburgh, which is another pretty good, um, uh, pretty good park. So Miley over his last, uh, since coming back from the IL, he has nine strikeouts. He's only given up three earned runs across nine innings. So he's out there. I don't have, let me just pull up his uh, roster, how much he's rostered in um, Yahoo really quick. 19% rostered right now. It's gone up about 2,500 ads in the last day. Um, hopefully none of the people that are in my head-to-head league are listening because I am picking them up. At, I already have an alarm set for 3 a.m. Eastern. I'm going to wake up really briefly. I'm going to add them for Monday because I picked up uh, Drew Smiley already. I thought Drew Smiley was going to be the guy because earlier in the week, he was lined up to do those two starts. He's a lefty. It would have been the same outcome. Uh, but yeah, it's Wade Miley, Cubs. He is the guy. He's my number one guy to go get if you're looking to get ahead of counting stats and, you know, possibly a win. I mean, he went in, uh, what, how many innings he go last time? Five. So he's, he went four the first time, five, the second time he's working on his pitch count. Uh, he's obviously a veteran, but I think he's going to get there if not by the Miami, but definitely by the Pittsburgh series. Yeah. It's actually crazy to look at those WRC plus numbers because everybody else in this section, it's like, you know, 123, 110, 116. And then you see like 68 and it's like 60. Eight, like, like what are they doing you're a third worse than average like that's that's just terrible and then pittsburgh not much better i mean those lineups pittsburgh at least they've got o'neill cruz and jack Sawinski to a certain extent but miami it's like if you just had to name like one bright hopeful bat in that miami lineup right now he would be the guy with a fractured back and apparently a torn meniscus and jazz chisholm. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know Jordan Groshans who the Jays yeah. at the deadline, he had a home run the other day, but like, yep. that was his, I think he had one home run in 70 minor league games. So it's like, that's not going to be expected. I like JJ Blade, but it's just, there's not much going on out there no. in Miami. Really. Unfortunately, Jesus Aguilar was designated for assignments, which was kind of, I think I saw him on the Giants a couple weeks ago. I was like, what the heck? I didn't know yeah. he was on that team. And then I think uh, he's on the Orioles now. I think he's... Oh, maybe it was the Orioles. It was an orange team. Yeah, it, whatever. I was just like, 
Yeah. Hey, it's the ghost of Jesus Aguilar. What's he doing out there? I didn't know he was still in the show. Um, yeah. After it's having cool. like, I think he like led the league in uh, w, in RBIs, just if not last season, the season before, which is it shows you how how uh, things can change pretty quickly. It's kind of weird. Him and Fran Mil Reyes, both guys who I think are kind of similar makeups. I mean, they look pretty similar, right-handed power hitters, and their teams kind of just released them for maybe there's something behind the scenes that I was think with more Fran Mill. He's a, he's what we call he's in my knucklehead status. I think yeah. he's kind of a knucklehead that guy. Um, but yeah, since returning, since going to the Cubs, he's been he's been serviceable in fifteen team leagues. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. if you're in a five outfielder league. Yeah, for Enbo, um, I had him in a in a twelve teamer for a while. I dropped him now, but there was yeah a couple of weeks there where he was putting up good value there in that Cubs lineup. A couple of Cubs actually putting up decent value. Say Suzuki is a guy who I'm going to be looking at next year. I think if he plays a full season, he could be he could be pretty damn valuable. In yep. this um in this section though, in this risky business section, is there anybody else who you would maybe take a chance on? It looks like it's maybe Dylan Bundy. I mean yeah. Dylan Bundy burned me so much this year. I actually had a lot of them as like maybe my fifth, sixth starter, and he was absolutely brutal the first couple months. So if I in a lot of my roto leagues, ERA is through the roof and so was whip. But when you when you you know take your heart out of it. You step back, you know, and you, you take an over, you overlook the situation. A 4.13 XERA. He's at Kansas City, who has a WRC plus of 87. Then he goes home to play the Angels with a 94 WRC plus. So two two pretty good matchups, two under average, um, two lineups. The Twins need the win right now, man. They are fighting for their lives uh, against the Guardians for a playoff spot. So maybe maybe Dylan Bundy, if you're if you're feeling that. Um, I love me some Kyle Gibson, but versus Toronto versus the Braves, ugh, I couldn't really get much harder than that. Clevenger, a bigger name than he is good these days, 4.64 XERA versus the Cardinals, 111 WRC plus. And then he goes at, at Colorado. So anytime we're in Coors Field, I mean, that's, that has risky all over it. Um, even though they're, they have a very underwhelming lineup. Um, but yeah, Wade Miley definitely stands out the most. Jose Suarez has been doing pretty well. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize the Twins are actually a pretty good, you know, one of the better hitting lineups in all baseball. 107 WRC plus, and then the Mariners at 110. So two tougher matchups. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. I'd say Wade Miley and everyone else. I mean, if you already have them on your roster and you need the starts, you're gonna you're probably gonna play them. But um, it could be that's it could be risky, as I say. Yeah, Wade Miley is a guy who I picked up expecting to get a start out of him this week. Uh, that was yesterday, actually, Saturday. Well, you guys will be hearing this on Monday, but I expected he would get a Saturday start. I'm not sure why, but he got pushed back, which kind of pissed me off until I was looking at yeah. Marty's article. I'm like, okay, I'm not that pissed <laughs> off looking at looking at the outcome here. It's not... I know Wade's not. <laughs> it's not the, yeah, it's not the end of the world, per se. Uh, there still could be some value there. You're right. Like This section is just filled with, with risky options, and you said... Uh, this is the first time where Adam Wainwright has actually been like risky for you this season. It's just really tough matchups for him. Once you get yep. to this point uh, of the piece and beyond, I mean, even into the must sit area, is there anybody who might be worth a shot in the dark? You think, or are these guys like firm, firm must sits for you? You think? Let me take a look here. Um, I would love to start Tyler Wells. I mean, he goes against Detroit, and then he's uh, versus Houston. Obviously, the Houston matchup is going to be tough, but he's not pitching more than three innings right now. So you got to really worry about where his pitch count is. So that turns me off to him. I'm excited for um, Jacob Junis, you know, at Colorado, at Arizona. If he can just, if he can just survive Colorado, you know, we're going to love the at Arizona start. Um, but yeah, most of these guys, I mean, Chad, too cool for school. Can't do it. 5.3 uh, XERA versus Giants versus San Diego. Um, Austin Voth versus Detroit. Obviously we love that, but then he goes against Houston. So yeah, it's just a it's a roller coaster of emotions with with all of these guys. Uh, Roenzi Contreras, four point three nine xERA on the year at the Yanks. The Yanks haven't been the Yanks, you know, over the last month or so. So maybe you're feeling good about that. And then he goes against the Cubs at home, which we do like that matchup. But overall, I all of these guys, man, they're in the they're in the take a seat for for a reason. If I had to maybe pick one, just just to pick one, I'm gonna go Jacob Junis at Colorado at Arizona. Yeah, maybe if there's someone in like a really deep league, uh, 15 teamer, perhaps, then you take a shot at one of these guys. What I've realized throughout this season, my first year doing podcasts, writing about it and all this stuff, is that you can't really just give, and I've done this, I've been guilty of it throughout the season. You give a piece of advice that's like, yeah, this guy's a drop, but there are so many different formats and league, si uh, league sizes, different 
settings, you know, if it's 10, yeah. 12 or 15, if it's roto, if it's head to head, if it's points, uh, if, you know, if it's daily changes, weekly changes, sometimes I'll give a piece of advice and it's like, maybe I need to, you know, just clarify 10 teamer, you can drop them 12. You should hold them something like that. So something I've tried to do a little bit more throughout the season is when I'm talking about a particular player, say just exactly that, you know, he's okay to hold on to in a 15, a 12, he's iffy, you drop him in a 10 kind of thing. So yeah. something I've, try to get a little bit better on is there any kind of difference here with anybody you think like i don't know if you're just talking like the shallowest of formats would you say nick lodolo was probably the guy you'd go with this week or you know yeah who, 10 team league i'm the, comfortable with nick lodolo yeah wade miley even a, even uh maybe a 10 preferably a 12 team league for for yeah. him and what i do with the two-star pitchers because i completely echo what you're saying you know uh, as far as having to differentiate between the leagues I always start off each article with a breakdown of what must start means, what should start means. Risky business. So I'll read what risky business is. Only start these pitchers if you are in a deep roto or points league, desperate for counting stats or feeling lucky. So that's where you should kind of fit in there. A deep league for me is like a 12 team, five outfielders, obviously a 15 team, anything above that. A should start is these pitchers should start in most leagues, but this, and this is based on the pedigree of the pitcher and or favorable matchups. So because they're not, most of the time, my should start pitches are not going to be aces. There's, there's more variance there. So, you know, and at Colorado start, they could blow up. And so, and that's fine. I love getting the Twitter messages, you know, the DM saying, thank you. You know, this really helped me or you completely blew my week. What are you doing? You know, either way, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I love them all. Cause that means they're reading the article. They're taking it seriously. And I think everyone at the end of the day realizes like fantasy baseball is tough. You know, like we don't know what's going to happen. Like Chris Bassett last week blew up in a second start. You know, who would have saw that? He gave up five runs and 3.2 innings. You know, he's a should start pitcher for me. And Doc at triple play, he's like, he should be a must start. I'm like, he could be, but he's not Jacob DeGrom, right? He's not Shane McClanahan. He's not these elite guys. So, um, yeah, differentiating between leagues, um, how deep they are, what kind of format they are is all really important. But and we ask this of our listeners. Take all of our information, think about it, and then make your own decision. Because that's why you're here. Don't blindly follow us. Because that's not fun. You know, like, this is why you are paying your money for the league. Like, this is your baby. This is your roster. You're the manager of your team. Take a risk sometimes. Be conservative, however you want to do it. But uh, just go through the, do your own homework with the stats. Yeah, I love to answer questions from people. It's kind of nerve-wracking at the same time, too, especially on a Sunday. Should I start player A or player B? And it's like, player B. Well, player A went three for four. And, you know, well, at the end of the day, like if you are in a, any kind of league, really, and you're you're playing fantasy baseball it's because you love baseball, you love to make the moves, you shouldn't be dependent on anybody telling you, you know, start this player over this player. If it's your league, you're going to be the one who has to live with the decision at the end of the day. I might tell you this guy is a can't miss, but if your gut tells you no, then then don't do it. Like you're the, you're the one who's going to have to, live with that throughout the off season and listen to your friends who ended up winning the league talk about you know whatever and you're gonna have to cut them a check for winning the, you know it's a lot that you're gonna have to do that <laughs> i'm gonna just you know kind of be sitting here saying sorry but it's you guys are gonna have to live with it at the end of the day so listen to these podcasts read articles absorb as much information but like marty said it's your team at the end of the day make uh, make whatever decision makes you feel the most comfortable any kind of last thoughts here before we move on from the two starts or is are you ready to uh, talk about some lineups my rule of thumb with two-star pitchers is that a good one-star pitcher is always better than a risky two-star pitcher, especially in the playoffs. So I'll leave, I'll leave the listeners with that. That is, that is a great piece of advice. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there's just gonna be one start that doesn't get as much attention. Maybe it's, you know, Friday or Saturday of this week and you haven't really thought about it yet, but go through, look at those fan graphs pages, the projected starters. They really give you a good look, even just, you know, MLB.com or the score, whatever you use, Scroll through the week and see if there's one start who might appeal to you a little bit more than the two. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about some lineups now. We've spent a lot of time on pitching. I do want to talk about some teams that might have an advantage or a disadvantage this week. Now, last week we saw it a, a lot more. There was like five teams with eight games, and there was a bunch of teams that only played five games. And that's where you get a little bit more, uh, you know, you might take a fringier player on an eight team or an eight game week versus a better player on a five game week. Now, in terms of what we're talking about for these next few days, we have Eight games for the Dodgers, eight for the Diamondbacks, and then pretty much every other team plays six or seven games. There's mostly sixes and then some sevens in there. 
If we're starting off at the top here with the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, are there any ads that you'd recommend specifically because they're playing an extra game this week, or is that something that's not the biggest of deal for you? I know I, I do have a couple. Um, we're going to start with Corbin Carroll and what not to expect from him. So 42% rostered in Yahoo leagues, four out of the seven games um, or four out of the, uh, the eight games this week are versus lefties. Okay. So he's sitting against lefties almost every single time. So if you have Jake McCarthy, you're feeling good about that. Even if you have Alec Thomas in a, in a deep, deep league, you know, they should be getting plenty, uh, plenty of playing time as well. So don't see that eight games and think, uh, you know, Carroll's a lock, not necessarily. Um, and then moving into the Dodgers, I mean, obviously nearly all the Dodgers are 80 or more percent owned across the league as they should be, no matter what kind of format you're in a couple that, uh, one that does stand out is Chris Taylor. So he's 57% rostered in Yahoo second base, third base shortstop eligibility over the last week. He's actually picked it up a little bit. He's got a home run. He's got just steal. He's batting a little over 300. So I, I like Chris Taylor for the, uh, for the eight game week. He won't play all eight games. He's a vet. They sit him every third, fourth game. So more of like six games for Chris Taylor, but you'll take that as a fill in. And then the, the desperate power, if you're looking for <laughs> to hopefully get, uh, you know, strike lightning in a bottle, Joey Gallo is always there for you. 25% of leagues. He should play, you know, five, six, seven of those games. Um, but that, that's it as far as, uh, uh, those two lineups, the Diamondbacks have, they, they looked really good about a month ago. The last couple of weeks, they've been really falling off. So I, I would be avoiding them mostly, you know, um, and then going into Chris Taylor, Joey Gallo. The only other guy that I think might have some deeper league value would be Gavin Lux. And just because yeah, maybe. he's just come back now, he was, he missed some time. Uh, he's going to be bad at ninth a lot of the time, but he's eligible at second short in the outfield. I don't think that he's going to be a league winner per se, but if you're just really desperate looking for somebody, you can plug in in the infield, the outfield. He's only 49% rostered, batted ninth. He gets on. He's got the top of the lineup to drive him in. So I think some deeper leagues might want to might want to consider him. But I think Chris Taylor, you know, it's it's really a shame that he's not been the guy that we saw last season. And it's not been his fault, really. But he's still a guy who can go out there and he can produce. Uh, he can give you, in any given week, a couple of home runs and a steal. So I think that's a really great call. Mm-hmm. In, terms of, in terms of Corbin Carroll, it's been so frustrating, man. It's been, I added him up in like every league and I played mostly daily changes leagues. And whenever he's out there, he's producing. I mean, in 51 at bats, three homers, he's batting 275. I don't think that he's going to come close to the at bat threshold. I think he's like 80 at bats away still. That would be 20 games of four at bats every game. It's just not going to happen at this point. I don't know why they don't throw him out there against lefties, get him some more experience. They're not playing for anything, you know get him to develop that lefty lefty stroke I, I i cannot for the life of me understand it because he's just that good he is the number one prospect you got to play him that's my opinion but and it's funny because his first major league start was against the lefty so when i saw that i'm like oh hey okay cool they are going to play him against there uh or against lefties and they they haven't done that and you already touched on it they want to keep the plate appearances under 130 so he remains rookie eligible for the 2023 season and have you ever seen a faster guy have zero stolen bases? He still has not stolen a base. He's the fastest dude in the world. <laughs> so the Diamondbacks, it, it's why they're, you know, one of the worst franchises in baseball. You know, they make questionable calls all the time, you know, and this coming from a Tigers fan, you know, I think they're in the same, they're in the same elk, you know, as far in the Rockies and these teams that are perpetually just making, just doing things that don't make sense. Um, but yeah, he's uh, what he's last week, Carol's four of his last 15. He's got you a homer, two runs, batting 267. So nothing groundbreaking, but those five outfielder leagues, he's still very valuable. Yeah, no, I've been plugging him in when he plays against righties, but there's also, like you said, three or four times last week where you just have to sit him down. If you're yep. setting a weekly lineup, it's especially this week. You said what you say? Avoiding them. Four of the eight are against lefties. That's yeah. You're probably going to get four, maybe five games if we're lucky, or maybe at some point here they just you know take the training wheels off and let him play. Maybe that'll come in the last week or two if they realize okay he's at 65 at bats, 70 at bats. He's he's not going to hit it. Maybe then they let him go out there and play. But he's definitely been uh, really frustrating. I added up him and, and Gunnar Henderson at the same time, pretty much. And they're roughly, you know, Gunnar Henderson's still less than 50% roster, too, while we're on the topic. This guy has been amazing. Like, Gunnar Henderson, yeah. especially considering he's eligible third and short, uh, he's playing a second every now and again. I think he might get eligibility for next year. But right now, like, to have a guy like this who's under 50% rostered, I, I, I do not understand it. I'm sure if you're talking, like, NFBC, it's like, in the 90s at this point, because those guys are a little more with it. But 49% for Gunnar Henderson, that does not fly with me. Yeah, I think it's just a reflection in a lot. Of, it's it's football season for most yeah. people. 
you know, once we start getting into August and especially September and you look at uh, ESPN leagues, which I don't play in ESPN, but that's even lower. Like it's probably in the twenties or thirties. Like no one makes any moves in ESPN leagues. They're all playing fantasy football. So I think that's what that reflects. I mean, the 21 year old is absolutely incredible slashing 345, 387, 586 over 62 plate appearances, home run, uh, two home runs, got you a stolen base. He's the, the future is bright for the Orioles. It's going to be a fun team to watch the next three, four years. Yeah, someone said it yesterday. I think it might have been the Jays, uh, the Jays broadcast that they're like where the Jays were two, three years ago when Vlad was coming up and Bo Bichette was coming up. And now they've got their own crop of young studs. And it just makes me wonder here. I know we're kind of going off topic a little bit, but that's okay. It's the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, you're li- <laughs> if you're listening to this, it's because you're a huge baseball fan. Why on earth did they trade Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez? Like, for some mid-level prospects that may pan out in three years. Like, I just feel like morale-wise for the team, for the city, that was just such a slap in the face. It's like, why? It was. Trying to push for that last playoff spot, which is still something that they can reach. I, I, I haven't checked today, but I think they're five games out. Let's see. Five games out of that last wildcard spot. That's doable. Yeah. That's likely, but maybe if you have Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez, then it's only three or something. You know, I just, it feels like very strange just for guys who, are probably never going to pan out at the major league level, for being honest. Most prospects don't. So uh, do you understand why they did that trade, really, or mystery to you as well? Uh, well, the front office came out, and they said that we are we are putting our chips in for not this season, but next season. So it was a strictly business decision. And talking about Toronto Blue Jays, which I think is actually a perfect blueprint of kind of what the Orioles are going through right now, what did they do? They start spending. They brought in George Springer, right? They brought in these big guys you know, um, the Kevin Gossman. So um, I think this is, they were honest with themselves looking at what the Yankees were doing, especially earlier in the, um, in the year, uh, what Tampa Bay's always doing. And they said, can we actually win with this roster? And ultimately they said, no, an internal decision. They didn't, they don't give a damn about the fans. They don't care about the players. Um, they made a, a, a business decision, as they say, this, you know, like we're going to put our chips in for the next few years, not this year, get rid of the vets, give them an opportunity to go to the Astros like Mancini, give them a chance to win, pick up some prospects on the way. And now if they don't spend the next year and the year after, because the Orioles have been a cheap organization, you know, from uh, passing up on draft picks because they didn't want to pay them the full slot and all these different types of things. So they've proven over the years they are extremely cheap. Um, so as of right now, I can live with that decision if they make moves in the future. And then they be, then they can hit that Blue Jays, uh, that realm of having stars around your young guys. Yeah, I mean, I think if they miss the playoffs by a game or two games, I think people are going to be kind of angry around there because – a lot of these teams that are competing and trying to get into the playoffs, like the Guardians are going to be in the playoffs. I don't think that they have any illusions of actually winning the World Series. I think a lot of the time it's just, or it should be anyway, just about putting a competitive product on the field, which Baltimore, to their credit, has been able to do regardless. I just find it hard. Like, I'm, I don't cheer for them. But if I was a, a fan of that team and they started trading away pieces, I, I would be kind That's of hard, tough. kind of hard to cheer for them. You know, obviously, Adley and Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez soon, hopefully, are guys that you can cheer for but that's it's so questionable there's so many teams in baseball that make such questionable moves Oakland last season trading away their entire core of guys that you know could have been a decently successful team I forget how well they did last year but they were in a bad team last year you trade away Olsen you trade away uh, Matt Chapman it's uh, Montes and Shamanaya it's just like I I think ownership's trying to literally get themselves out of Oakland that's yeah. what they're trying to do. They're trying to make sure no one goes to the games, no one supports the team, so they can go back to the commissioner and say, "See, look, look, no one, no one cares about baseball here." And we all know what's actually happening. They want to go to Vegas. They want to go to a bigger market. And I don't necessarily blame them. They're playing the worst stadium ever created, and uh, it's falling apart every which every way you look. Um, but in Oakland, I'm talking about famously cheap organizations. That's what you know. They they have a movie on it. They got Brad Pitt talking about yeah, it. So exactly, you know. yeah, they are. I don't know. There's probably five or seven teams in baseball that it's just, how can you even cheer for these teams in Oakland? Not even just baseball, like the Raiders gone, the golden state warriors gone, the athletics at the athletics leave too. It's like that whole city just lost their entire, their, all their teams in the span of five years. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be pretty tough. And there's not really so much to be hopeful for in terms of prospects out in Oakland either, from what I can remember. I mean, I think Langoliers is probably one of those guys that's going to be pretty solid, but uh, 
it's it's not it's not looking uh, particularly great out there in terms of really anything for Oakland. There's nothing you could really point to and say it's it's a positive for the future. But I do want to try and segue back. My apologies for being let's scat- go back yeah. scat- for being scatterbrained uh, this morning. <laughs> you got to get the thoughts out, man. You got you know yeah, it's, it's healthy. Exactly, exactly. This is like my therapy. You know, I vent exactly. for an hour and uh, tell the public we're twenty five we weeks in, man. You got to get it out at some point. You know, exactly. Are there any other matchup kind of base things for you this week that are really standing out? You should be adding this guy. This guy's not worth playing. Anything uh, Anything really big in particular for you? Yeah, I got a, a list here. I'll just quickly go through. So uh, starting with the Rockies, seven games next week, all at home. So R- Randall Gritchick, 44% roster. Um, he's a, he's a, one of the streakiest hitters you can find. But that power in that in that stadium is always good, maybe good for a double dong or something like that. Uh, Ryan McMahon, um, 20, uh, first or second base and third base eligible, 67% roster. So he's obviously on the, on the top end. Um, but seven home games, he could get you a home run. And he sneak on the sneak. He has seven steals this year. So it's not impossible for him to find that. Um, Elias Diaz, 8% rostered over the last uh, seven days. He's five for 12, batting 417 with two home runs and seven RBIs. So Gritchick, McMahon and Diaz, seven games at cores next week. I do like that. Uh, the Braves have seven games next week, three versus the Nationals. So it's second worst team, uh, second worst team ERA in baseball at 5.06. And then four, uh, four games versus the Phillies. So, uh, Robbie Grossman, he's been doing pretty good. You know, um, he's been hot as a few days ago. He was seven for his last 20 with 350 batting average, two home runs, six RBI. So I, I don't hate the, the Grossman start. Uh, the Minnesota Twins have seven games next week, three versus the Guardians. And then four versus the Royals. The Guardians have have a good uh, a good starting rotation, eighth best in baseball. The Royals, the fourth worst. So Gia Urshela has come back from the dead. Jorge Polanco looks like he'll never be healthy ever again. Uh, Nick Gordon hit a home run last year, but he's def- or last night, but he's slowed down overall. So Gio Urshela, thirty two percent roster, third base, second uh, shortstop eligible. Over the um, uh, as of a few days ago, he's batting fourth every day in the lineup. He was nine for his last 20 with the home run. So, you know, he looks a little bit more like that. Uh, the Yankees guy we maybe would have depended on two years ago. And then lastly, San Francisco Giants, seven games next week, four at cores against the worst pitching staff in baseball. The Rockies, 5.07 team ERA, and then three versus the Diamondbacks. So the guy that stands out for me on the Giants is Jock Peterson, 61% rostered, has four games in cores next week. Three out of four of those games, he's going against the righty. So Peterson smashes righties, always has 20 of his 22 home runs this season have been against righties, and he's slashing 273, 354, 536 against righties on the year. So you, you need some pop in your in your lineup here for your final outfield spot. Jock Peterson, four games at Coors, and then three versus the Diamondbacks. So those are the guys that kind of stand out to me the most. That's a really great call. I don't think that you mentioned it. You might have, though, there. Uh, Cincinnati has six games all at home this week as yeah. well. Yep. So like Aristides Aquino, if you're looking for strict power, obviously he's not going to do much for you in the other categories, but he's been hitting a lot of home runs recently. Um, the Brewers with their four games at Great American Ballpark. Um, Rowdy Telez, maybe probably already rostered, but it's about 60%. Maybe he's another guy you can sneak in there for uh, for some home runs. There's really not so much. Like I said, last week, matchup-wise, you had five teams, I think, that were playing eight games, and there's some clear, you know, Guys like Yandy Diaz for me, Manuel Margot on Tampa were pretty, pretty solid ads. Even like Rymel Tapia for Toronto, just because of those extra games here. There's not really so much of a sway this week. There's some teams that are playing six games. Is there anybody you'd be avoiding per se? Um, maybe really tough matchups or these only six games. Anybody that you're either dropping or benching for this week in particular? No, with with six games, that's still on a normal week. That's more than enough. You know, and I and I think um, you have to do that balancing act where you go with the guys who have got you there as long as they're not doing absolutely terrible. So I think a lot of owners, and I even fall into this sometimes, I overthink my playoff roster. You know, like I'm, I'm so, I'm trying to always find the edge and, you know, whoever it is, you know, and try to get that extra guy. And look, if you had this guy and he's bat and he hasn't been abysmal for you and he has six games next week in a good ballpark or a decent ballpark and there's not, you know, and as long as they're not going up a bunch of different aces, just stick with your lineup that got you there. There's a reason why you're in the playoffs. There's a reason why you're listening to this. And maybe this is your championship week. Do not overthink it. Just don't do it. I've been doing that a little bit with Juan Soto and thinking like, 
Jesus, this guy might have to hit the bench. I mean, the, uh, the other night he was two for five, three RBIs. And I thought, okay, maybe he's back. And then again, yesterday over three again, over the last month, he's bad 135. And it's like, I want to bench Juan Soto, but I know if I bench him, <laughs> then it's going to be six home runs and a couple steals. And he's going to bat 700. It's like, don't reinvent the wheel essentially is what you're trying to say here. If you got guys like that, leave them in the Soto's lineup. For the tough, man. Soto's Soto. tough, man. I, I did a, a podcast yesterday with Jesse Severe, who does a great job with the Dynasty Life podcast, baseball, hockey, all of them. Um, and we actually didn't talk about it, but I wanted to ask him. So I'll ask you, are you, well, first off, do you do Dynasty? Are we, are we dabbling in that, in that air at all? I'm in one Dynasty league that I inherited. It's not uh, a team that I have anything really invested in. I'm planning yeah. this offseason uh, with, a few friends hopefully we'll get like a 12 team uh proper dynasty league going. if you do let me in on it i would love to be a part of it because i'm actually looking for more dynasty leagues and absolutely. like absolutely i'm gonna be because that's the hardest thing is finding 12 owners that are going to give a crap about this three years from now or five yeah. years from now which is that that's the goal you know exactly. um but yeah back to soto this is the only time maybe ever in his career where someone might be willing maybe to trade him if you you'd have to come hard you'd have to you know Top prospects, you know, bats right now that are doing really good, that are maybe overachieving. But do you think it's possible that someone would give away, that would trade away Soto if you came in with a good package? Or do you think that's still crazy? No, I think people would trade him right now. Yeah, he's been – I mean, I've looked at the advanced stats throughout the season. The uh, Savant page is still all red. It's not like he's been terrible. I think he's had a lot of bad, bad luck. But he's still somebody who's – I mean – I, I talk about discounts in terms of trades and in terms of like buy low and sell high. Like he's going to be cheaper than he was in April. So, I mean, even at the beginning of the season, can you trade for him? Yeah, you can trade for him. It's just going to cost you a shit ton. Now it's going to cost you a lot, but probably a little bit less than it would have earlier in the season. So is there a price for a lot of people? I think there would be. I mean, I just pulled up Eric Cross's rankings that he released this month. He still has Juan Soto as his number two dynasty player. So yep. is it going to be that big of a discount? Probably well, not I, that big. Well, what I was thinking is just, I think that Soto was, he was unmovable. I don't think there's any package you really could have came with to get Juan Soto. If you're a serious dynasty player, because it's, why would you rock the boat on that? I mean, unless it's like, you know, they'll give you like, you know, three top 10 players or something crazy like that. But I think overall people weren't even ever thinking about getting rid of them. I think this is the small window, this neck, these, these few weeks where you might be able to squeeze something out of them without giving away maybe, you know, your two top players, you know? But, yeah, um, I'm just I'm just trying to think like what would an appropriate package be? I mean, I, you figure it'd have to be mostly position players. Pitchers are a little more volatile in dynasty. So like, let me just throw like a hypothetical at you. Would you take? Would you take Vlad Guerrero one for one for Juan Soto? No. Would you? No. I keep you? Soto. I would take. How about this? Vlad and a and a and a and a good pitcher. And if I only if I'm in a win now mode. If it's like Vlad and like a top. I don't know Vlad and Spencer Strider for Soto. Would you take that? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing I would, it. I would yep. do that. Vlad, what about Joe Musgrove. That's close. I don't know that I would do it. See, that's the thing. Like even yeah. in my head, I'm thinking Vlad for Soto is pretty fair. I think you know, there's not like a massive difference in what they do, fantasy wise. I mean, Vlad actually has a couple more steals than you would expect. It's not like a crazy discrepancy there. And when you add in Musgrove, it's like that should put it over the edge for me, but it just. I don't know. It it doesn't for some reason. It's I'm looking through Eric's top uh, dynasty rankings here, which is I believe just from like a week ago. It's hard to figure out honestly, but I feel like there should be something that would be able to pry Juan Soto away. Whether it be like, I don't know. I think if it's two top twenty five, top thirty players, maybe if it's like Freddie Freeman oh. and Sandy Alcantara, I would do it. Only if I'm in win now mode. Yeah. Actually, no, not even. Regardless, I'm doing that. That's yeah, great. It, it's it's really tough, man. Like even like you said, like it, it serious dynasty players it can be really hard. And maybe you throw like a huge package of like you know Henderson and Carroll and a bunch of young guys mixed in with somebody else. Maybe you get you get him, but it's tough. Like trading yeah. away, just to actually pull the trigger on trading away uh, once. It's so, so much fun. That's why like dynasty leagues are so much. I mean, just even yeah. having that conversation, you know, you can uh, you know, especially if you know your uh, your team member, your uh, league mates, you know, personally, hop on the phone, maybe go get a beer with them, yeah, you know, and sit there and try to iron it out. But, uh, if it was a yeah. if it was a dynasty trade and you were offered um, Juan Soto, or let's say you were offered the guys that were traded in real life for Soto, Hassel, Abrams, Gore, and the rest of it, 
that wouldn't be enough for me. How how close no. is that? You think? Like I, I don't even think it's that close, but I think it's no, because fantasy is that it's that upper tier. You know, you need the guys that are already because we don't know what's going to happen with those minor yeah. leaguers. And it's true, you know, I it, and and from a, and we don't have to worry about the money, right? Like we don't we don't have to worry about like the big reason why you take on those young contracts is you know maybe you don't have to you know you'll be able to feel the team that's way less expensive than having Juan Soto. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't make that, uh, I wouldn't make that trade. It's, it, you've really got me thinking now and I'm probably going to spend, uh, maybe the rest of the day doing some dynasty <laughs> blocks, uh, trying to work that in, but he's ranked above Julio. He's ranked above Ronald Acuna. I think I would take those guys for him right now. If someone offered me Acuna one for one for Soto, I think I would take it. It'd be pretty close, but Soto Acuna is more of a five category guy. Yeah. Uh, the lineup is is better than, than what's around Soto or I, the foreseeable future. Yeah. The yeah. Braves got it locked up for the next at least five years. It's, it's amazing what they've done. It's tricky. And I think maybe the next time Eric does these, maybe Soto will fall down a little bit more. Like I, I don't know, like he's still gonna be a top five consensus player, but there's definitely, he's definitely cheaper than he was in April. I think yep. uh, even if he's still ranked about the same, um, you, you'd be able to get him for, for more of a discount here. Certainly you would have been able to throughout the season in a, uh, in a redraft format. His, his price was fairly cheap. I mean, he probably would have cost you a decent penny there still, but that's the thing. Like just to tie, tie it back to the earlier point, like buy low is not always buy dirt cheap. Sometimes it's just a slight discount. It would have cost you a top 10 pick. Now it's going to cost you a top 15, top 20 pick. So it's something more as we head to the off season redraft trades are pretty much done unless you have no trade deadline, but what would be the lowest uh, you, you would accept back for him? I guess I would need a top 10 dynasty bat. And then, um, and this this only goes under the fact that I'm trying to win now. Right. And when now for me in a dynasty league is the next year, maybe the year afterwards, you'd have to get two top 25 players plus one top 50, which yeah. is a lot. And I don't think you're going to get that right now, possibly. So um, but yeah, it would, it would have to definitely be a lot because let's say, I mean, next week he has a, uh, he has a, he's going the cores, maybe he hits three, four home runs. And then all this is for nothing. Cause you know, he looks back, he's back baby. So it's just but, like, uh, I don't know the 56 RBIs, the two thirty five batting average. It, kill, see it, that. it killed me. He was my first pick in Glarf. He was my fourth overall pick in general. Walker Bueller was my second draft pick, you know? So obviously I'm, I'm in number, I'm 11 out of 15 in that league. And a lot of it has to do with those two guys. That was so, my um, that was my one two duo in my uh, in my main home league. It was Soto and then it was Bueller and Brutal. Mondesi. A couple picks later, it was it's a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm still actually kicking at this point in the season. <laughs> it is. I do want to talk to you before I let you go here, just quickly. Like your teams, we're coming to the end of the season now. Are you expecting to cash in most of your leagues? Are you going to win? You think, or is it kind of a loss? Like, how would you classify this season for you? Yeah, so I'm looking right here. Um, my head-to-head league's doing really well. Um, in three of them, I I got in second place in all three of them. So head-to-head daily is where I I love it. I don't really like weekly rosters. Whatever it is with Sundays, Sunday nights, doing the fab and all that. I know that's where the industry leagues are and everything, but it doesn't fit into where I you know I'm like I like to look at it every day, right? And I like to look at the rosters. If I have five ten minute break from work, you know, I like hopping into my Yahoo app and go, okay, so he pitches Wednesday, Thursday. So I'm a very active owner. So I always do better in head-to-head leagues, uh, there are daily leagues. And this is something, just overall fantasy advice for you listeners. Pick the, go into leagues that way it fits your, um, you know, it fits your style the best. And some people, that is weekly leagues, you know, where their week's so crazy, they don't even have a chance to look at it. And it's, you know, they have that two hours, three hours on Sunday where they can just set their lineups for the full week and not worry about it. It, it doesn't really work for me. Those leagues are my hardest leagues to do well in. Um, so any, uh, head to head category leagues, especially daily leagues doing really well there, the 15 team draft and hold, which is the triple players ball. Absolutely hilarious. I'm 11th overall, but that's not the funny part. I have the number one hitting team by, I think I have like 70 points in hitting. So I'm killing everybody in hitting, but I have the worst pitching team. I only have nine points in pitching nine across the roto. That means I'm almost last in every single one of them. Um, Jacob DeGrom, number one pick. Um, who, who, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but Ryu, um, another one of my guys on the back end, I drafted, uh, Corbin or, uh, uh, Patrick Corbin, Dallas Keuchel. So that my ERA was destroyed within the first, first month or so. Um, and there was a couple other, uh, John means business. He got hurt within the first couple of weeks and this is a draft and hold. So I can't, 
I love the waiver wire. I'm a waiver wire guy. If I was able to pick up people and move around and do all that, I'd be, that team would be doing really well right now. Um, so if you're doing a draft and hold, make sure you got guys you can, you can just count on. Um, yeah. So that, that one's really funny. Um, TGFBI, uh, I'm in that 15 team, five by five Roto. Uh, last year I finished second only to Tanner Bell in my, um, who he won the whole overall, you know, league. Um, this year it's been a struggle. I'm 10th in that league. So there's no cash involved, but just from like, a, I, I beat Bogman, which I always like to do from ITL. <laughs> so that, that makes me feel good, uh, in my league, but, um, yeah, so struggling there. And then we already went on Glark, Juan Soto, Walker Bueller, my first two. Um, and when you're in these industry leagues, man, like, some of the, the 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 men and women, Jenny Butler, shout out to her. She's number one in our league. She's absolutely killing it. Like they're so smart. Like there's nothing you can get past these guys. You know the Dave McDonalds of the world and all these different people. So once you are in the in these industry leagues, you're going to learn so much so quickly, and you're really going to understand. You know where you're. Like I've realized, like even though last year I did really well in all my big roto leagues, this year I'm not. And it's just something that you got kind of got to stay on. I'm also in uh, two 30 team dynasty leagues. Um, so, and, and I'm in top 10 in those. And they're one of those leagues that like, it's a five year dynasty league where it, it, you're not ever trying to win one season. You're trying to win overall those five years. So I'm doing really well, you know, in those. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, overall just your standard roto leagues with fab. It's been a struggle, man. It's been a struggle this year. I am not somebody who does a hell of a lot of Roto. I do some fab stuff over on Yahoo, but as I've said this season, this was my first year in the industry. I didn't even know about the NFBC until like March or February. And then I was like, people are entering and paying $2,000 almost. Oh, the main events. And then there's the platinum league where you pay 15 grand to enter. I'm thinking like, these people are crazy. These people are nuts. And now I'm just thinking like, I want to get out to Vegas. I want to do a live draft. Like it, it gets into you. So I don't think I'll be doing a main event next season because I think that would just be a donation to the NFBC personally. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know their format so well. So I'm thinking I'm going to do some draft and holds, uh, some, some NFBC fifties, that kind of thing. Yep. I really just want to start getting more into the high stakes industry leagues. Like my leagues right now are either public leagues or with friends. I don't play in any industry league. So that's something I definitely wanted to, you get to know more people, you get a higher level of competition. The whole fab process, I mean, Yahoo fab is one thing, but it's like a daily fab. So you can, you can bid Wednesday to whatever, uh, the whole okay. NFBC. See, I would like to have more. Yeah. The whole the, NFBC process is it's, very it's tough. It, it's, it's tough. Um, I've gotten, it's something that you'll slowly get better at as you go through. Um, there's a lot of rules to that. I won't go, not rules, but like, you know, a lot of advice you can kind of go through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's completely, it's completely different from your standard head to head leagues and not even to do with your competition. It's just overall the format, the format of playing on Yahoo to playing on ESPN, to playing on NFBC, to playing in fan tracks leagues. They're so different. So don't get too down on yourself. If you have one bad year in one of those formats, it's, you got to keep building on it. You yeah. Know? Play some different leagues. Maybe whatever you're playing isn't your particular bag. You know, maybe you've been doing points leagues and then you switch the category head to head and that's something you love to do. I, I'm exactly like you in terms of I like to be active on the waiver wire every single day. It sucks being on the East Coast and having to stay up till three o'clock to make your picks. If, you, especially yeah. if you're playing in uh, leagues with people in California or whatnot, and they can just right before bed, 12 yeah, o'clock, yeah. nothing big for them. You know, for us, it's like I've, there's been times where I've set an alarm for like 255 just to like wake back up and be like, OK, I'll be doing that this evening. Set Ryan McMahon. I, I wish I, I need him. I wish I could just, you know, I wish there were settings on Yahoo. Maybe you can do it on a computer. I don't know. Definitely not on mobile where you can just say at three o'clock, can you place this? Yeah. A little auto pick. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, That'd waivers, waivers, you can do that. But if it's just, you know, no waivers, if it's just a, a free agent, then yeah. you gotta just be uh, the first one to the punch bowl. I do want to thank you uh, for coming on the show here, man. I really appreciate talking with you again. This is our third pod together. I believe Yeah, I think it's a third time. Always, always a great time talking with you and anybody, of course, from triple play. I do want to give you a second uh, just to tell everybody what you're doing right now, what you got going on. Uh, you know, we talked about your two start articles, but what else, uh, what else is going on for you right now? Yeah. So you can always find me and Marty underscore Tallman on Twitter um, doing the triple play fantasy baseball podcast each week. We're doing it on Wednesdays right now. We were doing it on Thursdays before, but this thing called football started. So Thursday night football takes, takes, you know, that's the King, you know, it is what it is, but uh, yeah, always find me at triple play fantasy baseball, uh, doing the podcast writer at fan tracks last week or next week is my last week with the two star pitchers. I am happy to put that the rest for, uh, <laughs> for the rest of the season. And then I'll just be churning out content, you know, as it comes up. 
But uh, Joe, thank you. It's always a pleasure. You are a shining star uh, coming up in this industry. You know, uh, you do a really good job with your t- Twitter. I know I don't have to tell the people this, that, you know, everyone who listens to this, they know. But, um, you know, you're someone that I look to like, okay, you know, a little breakdown on so-and-so player. So keep doing that. You're making a, you're making a lot of strides. I really appreciate that, man. And it's been uh, very busy with me these last uh, month or so with some personal stuff going back into school. So it's been a little bit harder to keep up with the Twitter, but there will still be stuff coming in throughout the off season. Will you be doing any writing uh, throughout the off season or is it going to be mostly yep. pods? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to take uh, October off. Um, you know, like, like we talked about off air, enjoy baseball, enjoy the postseason. just watch baseball for what it is, the beautiful sport that it is. And then coming back hard in November, man, from we're going to be doing best ball drafts at, at fantasy, uh, at triple play fantasy, just to, to kind of scratch that itch. And then um, just trying to get the edge for, for next year and, you do the pitch clock. How is that going to affect things? You know, there's just so many things coming up for next year. I'm already getting excited about it. So yeah, look for uh, articles at fan tracks throughout the year as well. That would be absolutely fantastic, man. If you guys are not already following, go check out Marty uh, at Marty underscore Tallman on Twitter. I am at Joe Orico 99. This is your Monday edition of fantasy MLB today. If you guys have not done so already, subscribe, download, rate, review, do all that great stuff. And we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.